Welcome back to Nurse Talk, where laughter is the best medicine. Welcome back to Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs, along with my co-host Shane Mason. We are two of the thousands of nurses on duty this very hour. Casey, for months now, we've been covering National Nurses United and Registered Nurse Response Network's groundbreaking work to set standards for U.S. hospitals to protect nurses, patients, and healthcare workers against the spread of infectious diseases such as Ebola. And last November, after the nurses set in motion a petition to urge President Obama and state lawmakers to pass mandatory safety guidelines in hospitals, with the help of nurses and Governor Jerry Brown, California became the first state to adopt such guidelines. Fast forward to this week, and the nurses are still active on the front lines of the Ebola crisis and last week announced the donation of $40,000 to the disaster relief organization International Medical Corps, which is on the front lines of the Ebola response for its continued efforts to eradicate the deadly virus in West Africa. And Shane, a note from our producer says, just this week, a patient is being treated for possible Ebola symptoms in Sacramento County at UC Davis Hospital. It's not easy to keep news about Ebola in West Africa in the news these days, but as of January 20th, nearly 22,000 cases of Ebola have been reported with nearly 8,700 deaths, mostly in Liberia, Sierra Leone, and Guinea. Here with us today is RN Deanne McEwen. Nursing Practice, Health and Safety Specialist for National Nurses United. Welcome back to Nurse Talk, and thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Casey and Shane, for the important work you do and for inviting us back. This is an important topic and very timely. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. So we want to hear about the Registered Nurses Response Network, but we also want to hear about this uh, new case of Ebola in Sacramento. What do you know about that? Well, um, Actually, we were in Sacramento yesterday, and uh, the California Department of Public Health uh, released uh, statements confirming that both patients that were being treated in Sacramento, one at the UC Davis Designated Ebola Treatment Center and at the Kaiser South Sacramento Designated Ebola Treatment Center, both did test negative. So that's really good news, but what's more important is, is that the nurses were prepared and protected, and uh, the hospitals did follow really stringent, highest standard in the nation, Kalosha guidelines that were developed under Governor Brown's leadership uh, in Kalosha. Which is fantastic that Governor Brown is such a wonderful supporter of National Nurses United. What led them to believe that these patients had Ebola? Or possibly had a Well, from what I understand, there was a travel history, and then the patients uh, both came in symptomatic. Um, as you may have read, the patient that was ultimately transferred to UC Davis Medical Center arrived in the emergency room with these symptoms um, and a travel history confirming that he had been to an area of West Africa unannounced. So he was not being monitored for some reason, and uh, they immediately called in, uh, the Department of Health and arranged for the transfer to the uh, UC Davis Medical Center. It sounds like the guidelines were followed, which is good, and it was probably scary for everyone, but it sounds like the nurses were well prepared. Uh, And we'd like to hear more about the Registered Nurses Response Network. When was that started and, and why was it started? Well, the Registered Nurse Response Network itself has a long history dating back to a tsunami in Sri Lanka. And since that time, we've responded to disasters here in New Orleans, Louisiana 
Anna, Hurricane Katrina, and flooding, earthquake, and tsunamis from Haiti to the Philippines most recently. And so we've been able to cut through red tape, get hands-on direct nursing care to patients in need. When we looked at the situation where we saw that reporters and photographers could get into the scene of disaster to photograph human misery, and we knew that they needed hands-on nursing care that we could provide, we saw a problem and, and we found a way to overcome it. Which is what I love about National Nurses United, that, that uh, this organization is beyond the scope of California, beyond the scope of the United States, but looking out to all parts of the globe, which is fantastic. So, Deanne, we mentioned earlier that the RNRN National Nurses United Network donated $40,000 to the disaster relief organization, Medical Corps. Why this organization? International Medical Corps, the IMC, has a, a history of providing effective and culturally competent care to the stricken patients and communities in West Africa. And so what we saw was actually a a problem with the global response in getting the necessary medicines, equipment, and supplies to that area. And so what they told us that they needed most, nurses wanted to help, is the actual personal protective equipment. And so we donated money so they could acquire the suits, hazmat suits, if you will, and masks, gloves, uh, that they needed because protected healthcare workers best can protect and serve patients. As you know, this has been called the nurse killer disease in Liberia. Right. And so were those donations from individuals and nurses, or where did this money actually come from? Yes, we actually put out a call for help. We knew we didn't have the experience to actually go in and treat those Ebola patients on the ground. And so we wanted to help and do what we could. And so we did an assessment. Uh, We found an international relief agency whose values and vision was consistent with our own to meet people where their need was, and they were experienced and on the ground there. So, again, uh, it's been highlighted in the news, global supply chain problem getting uh, this equipment into the area. They had access but needed the support. So nurses, members of the public, people that were interested just wanted to help and know that that help would be delivered where needed. It would be effective. And we got good value, you know, consistent with our values of caring, compassion, and, and community. Which is a wonderful mission. Um, a little bit about the suits, Deanne. In West Africa, do they wear these one time? Do they recycle? How does that work? Well, there has been publicized reports of Medicine Sans Frontier actually came up with their own suits because of the unique working conditions uh, that they found in West Africa. And then other organizations, as they've moved to specialty hospitals, when they can get them, use single-use disposable supplies because that's been shown to help contain and prevent the spread of infection. Again, right now it's a mixed bag from what we can see, but the International Medical Corps has maintained the highest standards and really seems to have been able to gain a foothold. And we're seeing some of the cases now decline as good standard epidemiologic methods and public health methods of containment, control, case identification, and treatment have been applied to this area. 
Yeah, I was a little bit surprised to see out of the 22,000 cases that were diagnosed, 8,700 have died. So is that due to better protection and better medicines? The problem with the death rate is is that we know that this virus has mutated since it first started causing these illnesses. As you know, this area of Africa has had other outbreaks of Ebola, which were effectively contained with a lower death rate. But this particular strain, I just read a a study uh, that was sent to us that actually showed that only uh, in this study of 106 patients confirmed Ebola virus disease, only one patient had the bleeding that was uh, been commonly associated with this disease in the past. Most had the clinical presentation of headache, fever, weakness, dizziness, diarrhea, abdominal pain, and vomiting. So like a lot of other tropical diseases and even the influenza in this country, they share common symptoms. So the mode of transmission is not exactly clear according to several prominent virologists who have researched this disease. It has been identified as probable blood-borne pathogen, but we simply don't have enough evidence to rule out that it could also be airborne aerosol transmissible, especially in close quarters. Yeah, I was going to say, we, you know, the combination of we don't know how it's being transmitted and mutation is, is really scary. So it's good that, that folks are on top of this and studying this. Uh, t- tell us a little bit about the work that's left to do in this region and what is the prognosis for eradication? We're pushing for higher standards and there's been a, a global response and uh, global health agencies that are meeting, looking at where the failures have been. And then, you know, this is tertiary prevention now. We've identified a problem. We did the best that we could under the circumstances, but then in terms of the precautionary principle, we can't let our guard down with a deadly disease for which there is no known vaccine available to help prevent it at this point. And so uh, I wanted to make the point that of the physicians and the nurses that have come down with this disease who are experienced at treating it in past outbreaks, there's not been an identified break or breach in their protocols. They don't know how it came to be that they were personally infected with this disease. So again, our standards here in California, the highest level available, we want to make that available to any nurse or any caregiver who's caring for these patients around the world. And of course, if you look at for-profit healthcare systems, uh, when there's a healthcare system breakdown, people are going to look at the cost. But we look at the value of human life here and, and for a little bit more money to prevent such devastation, it's worth it to us. So that's why our standards, uh, the November 14th guidance issued by CalOSHA is important. These have gained world attention. In line with the precautionary principle, if there are so many unknowns, as Shane said, you know, we need the highest standard of protection for everybody. That's so true. How can people help? Where can people find out more about the work you're doing and what can they do to help? You know, we do maintain a website, www.nationalnursesunited, and there's a search engine there, and you can click on Registered Nurse Response Network, RNRN, or Ebola. And you can link to our standards uh, that we fought for and under the progressive administration of Governor Brown and his leadership and Cal OSHA, 
and the scientists working with us there, we've got these high standards. We want to protect them and expand them and make them available to everyone around the world. Anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? I would like to thank you for the great work you do for having us available. It's important that nurses know that these standards are out there, where they can access them, and uh, join the fight to help prevent the spread of disease and, and prevent harm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, first for your years of service as a nurse, Deanne, but second for the good fight that you're doing in National Nurses United. I am so proud to be a part of this whole process because you're really serving humanity, not just uh, people here and there, but all of us. And it's we're proud of the you work do. you do. It's a, it's a great association that we have. Thank you both so much. Thank you. <laughs> 